reading of the Word of God, Scriptures. God's book is packed full of overwhelming riches. They are unsearchable. The more we have, the more there is to have. Oswald Chambers. Welcome to today's reading. I pray that these scriptures will bless you exceedingly abundantly. They're amazing scriptures. Emphasize on the word of God. Lord, bless our reading as and our hearing as we spend time searching and looking at your word in the different scriptures. In Jesus' name, amen. Second Timothy three sixteen seventeen. All scripture is inspired of God and is useful to teach us what is true and to make us to realize what is wrong in our lives. God uses it to prepare and equip his people to do every good work. Come on now. All scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what it is true what is true, and what makes us realize what is wrong in our lives. Amazing. God uses it to prepare and equip us, His people, to do every good work. 2 Timothy 3, 16, 17. And that's exactly what is done for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years for humanity. It sets us right and straight. 2 Peter 1, verses 20 to 21 says, Above all, you must understand that no prophecy of Scripture came about by the prophet's own interpretation of things. Prophets, though human, spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. Amen. <clears throat> when we read the Word of God, we're actually prophesying right into the future. 1 Peter 1.24 says, As the Scripture says, People are like grass. Their beauty is like a flower in the field. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of the Lord remains forever. The word of the Lord remains forever. Isaiah 55, 10 and 11. For as the rain comes down and the snow from heaven and do not return there, but water the earth, so shall my word be that goes forth from my mouth. It shall not return to me void. Isaiah 55, 10, 11. For as the rain comes down and the snow from heaven and do not return there, but water the earth, so shall my word be that goes forth from my mouth. It shall not return to me void. <clears throat> Amen. Isaiah 47, 8. The grass withers and the flowers fade beneath the breath of the Lord, and so it is with people. The grass withers and the flowers fade, but the word of our God stands forever. Your word, Lord, is eternal. It stands firm in the heavens. Psalm 119.89 Everyone who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man that built his house on the rock. 
Blessed rather are those who hear the word of God and obey it. Blessed are those whose ways is blameless, who walk in the law of the Lord. Blessed are those who keep his testimonies, who seek him with their whole heart, who also do no wrong, but walk in his ways. Psalm 119, 1, 2, and 3. Keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. Joshua 1, 8. <clears throat> Keeping this book always before us, speaking it, prophesying it ourselves, meditating on it like we're doing now, day and night, muzzling over, chewing it, the cud, so that we may be careful to do everything written in it. Then we will be prosperous and successful. Hebrews 4.12 For the word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to the dividing soul and spirit joints and moral. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. Matthew 24, 35. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. Romans 15, 4. For whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction, that through endurance and through the encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope. Romans 15, 4. For whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction, for our inspiration. And that through endurance and through the encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope. Matthew 4, 4, Jesus answered, It is written, man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes forth from the mouth of God. It is written, man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that cometh from the mouth of God, Jesus. James 1, 22 and 25. Don't just listen to God's word. You must do what it says. Otherwise, you are only fooling yourselves. Above all, you must understand that no prophecy of Scripture came about by the prophet's own interpretation of things. Prophet, though humans spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. 2 Peter 1, 20 and 21. Psalm 119, 160. The entirety of your word is truth. And every one of your righteous judgments endures forever. The Word gave life to everything that was created, and His life brought light to everyone. John 1 4. The Word gave life to everything that was created, and His life brought light to everyone. Jesus replied, But even more blessed are all who hear the word of God and put it into practice. Luke eleven twenty-eight. Psalms thirty-three four. For the word of the Lord is right and true, he is faithful in all he does. Psalms thirty-three, 
For the word of the Lord is right and true. He is faithful in all he does. Psalms 33 verse 4. We proclaim to you the one who existed from the beginning, whom we have heard and seen. We saw him with our own eyes and touched him with our own hands. He is the word of life. 1 John 1, 1. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. John 1, 14. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. I will worship towards your holy temple and praise your name for your loving kindness and your truth. For you have magnified your Word above all your name. Psalms 138.2 I will worship towards your holy temple. I will praise your name for your loving kindness and your truth, for you have magnified your word above all your name. Psalm 138.2 The word of God continues to spread and flourish. Acts 12.24 Put on salvation as your helmet, and take the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Ephesians 6.17 Put on salvation as your helmet and take the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, as prophesying in folks into the future, into the atmosphere, like we're doing now. 2 Timothy 4.2 Preach the Word of God. Be prepared, whether times is favorable or not. Patiently correct, rebuke, and encourage. 2 Timothy 4.2 Preach the word of God. Be prepared, whether the time is favorable or not. Patiently correct, rebuke, and encourage. James 1.21 Get rid of all the fifth filth and evil in your life. And humbly accept the word God has planted in your hearts. For it has the power to save your soul. James 1.21 Get rid of all the nonsense, all the junk, all the evil talking and gossip. Stay holy. Stay humble. <clears throat> accept the word God has planted in your hearts. For it has the power to save your souls. Every word of God is flawless. He is a shield to those who take refuge in Him. Every word of God is flawless. He is a shield to those who take refuge in Him. Proverbs 30 verse 5. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Romans 10, 17. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Colossians 3, 16. For he sent by God. 
and is. He speaks God's word, for he, God gives him the spirit without limit. John 3, 34. All right, thanks for coming to today's podcast. We're reading L- Limitless Love. In the midst of a storm, May 13th. Let's pray. Father, creator of heaven and earth, Lord, we trust you to guide us. Jesus, I trust you. Jesus, thank you for healing us. Thank you for demonstrating your love through us. By your stripes, we're healed. Jesus, we're made good through your blood. In Jesus' name, amen. In the midst of a storm, when he got into the boat, his disciples followed him. And behold, there was a rose, a great storm of the sea, so that the boat was covered with the waves. But Jesus himself was asleep. And they came to him and awoke him, saying, Save us, Lord, we are perishing. He said to them, Why are you afraid? you men of little faith. Then he got up and rebuked the winds and the sea, and it became perfectly calm. Matthew 8, 23-26, New American Standard. <clears throat> Every one of us can identify with the disciples of this passage. At times in our lives when we're endeavoring to live by faith, we become frightened by circumstances. We let the waves of doubt overwhelm our souls, and we qualify for the same loving rebuke the master gave to the first boat of followers why are you afraid you man of little faith actually that's not only a rebuke it's a question worth answering if you study the greek meanings behind the phrase translated little faith you'll find it refers not only to something that is so slight and small but to something of short duration so we should ask ourselves why we so often run out of faith in the middle of the storm why do we let fear cut faith short just when we need it the most usually it's because our faith in god's word isn't fully backed by confidence in his love again usually it's because our faith in god's word isn't fully backed by confidence in his love we know what he said he, he'll do for us. He said he'll heal us, provide for us, protect us. No doubt about that. But when the winds of trouble blow and the clouds of circumstance threaten, we begin to wonder if he's forgotten about us. It may seem to us he is asleep at the helm, insensitivity and unresponsive to our plight. At those times, however, we can shore up our faith. We can extend it. It's life by remaining our, reminding ourselves of God's unfailing love. When the first flash of fear arises and we catch ourselves thinking 
What if God doesn't provide for me this time? What if he doesn't heal me? We should stop right there and say, No, I refuse to think that way. I refuse to entertain that fear because I know my Father loves me. He loves me so much that he gave himself for me. He loves me so much he promised he never for a single moment leave me or forsake me. If at those times of crisis we'll remind ourselves of our Father's loving care, our fate will endure if we consider how Jesus has proven his compassion by the great sacrifice he has already made for us. We won't grow weary and faint in our minds, Hebrews 12, 3. We'll realize God has not only given us his word, he has given us his heart, and even in the midst of the storm, we know we are safe and secure in his love. Amen. Beautiful. Our next reading, May 14, is the key to freedom and fullness of joy. These things, these things I have spoken to you, so that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be made full. This is my commandment, that you love one another just as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that one laid down his life for his friends. John 15, 11 to 13. New American Standard. Of all the New Testament writers, the Apostle John had the greatest revelation of love. In his gospel account, in his letters to the church, he makes it clear that walking with God and walking in love go hand in hand. You cannot do one without the other. He also reveals that walking in love, even though it requires us to lay down our lives for others, is not a distressing or depressing thing. On the contrary, it is the key to fullness of joy. The very idea of laying down your life for someone else being a joyful thing is absolutely contrary to natural worldly way of thinking. The world says, if you want any happiness, you'll have to go after that. After what you want first and foremost. You have to look out for yourself because no one else would do it for you. According to worldly standards, that's the normal way to live. Yet self-centered people invariably struggle with depression and oppression. They can't sleep. Their relationships are shallow and unsatisfying. The lifestyle of love, however, is actually the opposite. Love says, don't seek your own interests first, but the interests of others. Bear one another's burdens if you want to be great. Be the servant of all. The devil will try to talk you out of the lifestyle that lifestyle. He'll tell you that if you put other people first, you'll never have anything for yourself. He'll tell you that if you serve others, they'll walk all over you, and you'll end up miserable and sad, but those are just lies. The fact is, the more you lose sight of yourself, the happier you will be. The more you are focused on blessing others, the more abundantly you'll be blessed. A friend of mine once told me of a time when his life when he was unhappy and things just weren't going the way he had planned he spent hours on his knees rehearsing rehashing his problems and asking god to help eventually he heard the voice of the lord saying son if you'll just forget about yourself most of your problems will evaporate 
That's not really what he wanted to hear right there and then, but he took it to heart, got his mind off himself, and focused instead on serving others. Recently, he said to me, you show me someone who has matured in God, and I'll show you someone who has the ability to go length of time without thinking about himself. I'll show you someone who has discovered what it means to walk in freedom and fullness of joy. Amen. Beautiful, beautiful, wonderful readings. May 15, Kenneth Copeland. Creation speaks of his love. Psalms 33, 5 says, The earth is full of the goodness of the Lord. The earth is full of the goodness of the Lord. The Bible repeatedly declares that creation itself, God's beautiful world and everything wonderful within it, is an expression of the power of the na nature of God. Psalms 19.1 says, The heavens declare the glory of God and the firmament showeth his handiwork. Psalm 50 verse 6 says, the heavens shall declare his righteousness. Romans 1, 19 and 20 says, That which is known about God is evident within them, for God made it evident to them. For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes, his eternal power and divine nature has been clearly seen, being understood through what has been made. Consider those statements in light of the fact that God's nature is love and you'll realize that God is constantly declaring his love for you. Not only through the words of the Bible and through the witness of his spirit in your heart, but through creation itself. The reason the flowers are pretty is because God loves you. The reason fruit tastes good is because God loves you. The reason the shine the sun shines is because God loves you. The reason the rain comes in the spring is because God loves you. The reason flowers are pretty and girls have a sweet voice is because God loves you. <laughs> but Brother Copeland, you might ask, what about all those things in the earth that aren't good? Aren't those expressions of God as well? No, they're not. They're an expression of the nature of the devil who through his sin has warped the earth and robbed it of his full glory. That's why Romans 8 says, The whole creation groans and suffers the pains of childbirth together until now. New American Standard. Looking forward to the return of Jesus and the completion of his redemption plan, bless God, the day is coming when God's great love will drive out every damnable thing in this earth that has ever caused his children pain. The day is coming when he will deliver creation itself from decay and corruption and bring it into the glorious freedom of the children of God. Until then, however, he will see to it that the best this old earth has to offer is made available to his children. He will continue to give us all good things to enjoy. As he does, we need to receive every one of them as an expression of his compassion and tender care we need to see in every blossom of spring we need to hear in the voice of every bird that sings the voice of our heavenly father telling us he loves us amen i once bought five acres of land up in orville in the mountains and it had a plant that was a twist red and hard and twisted very very hard 
and it was just a unproductive bush and it was all over the place and it just kept growing and just uh, made it impossible for you to plant regular uh, bushes the only thing that survived was the pine trees that was able to grow along with it so I, I sharpened a golf uh, putter where it was like a knife and I would go around cutting the little stems that were growing all over the place to keep them from becoming adults. You know, it's part of the curse, I believe. <laughs> and once I was up by the Diamond uh, Mountain up in Northern California, uh, where actually De Devil Mountain, they call it. Black Mountain, Devil Mountain, something like that. And they, there, they had a, a ad there that they, there was a, a herb, or not even a herb, a, some kind of plant like echinacea, but it was a bad, and it was taken over. It came from Europe, and it, and it had infested the whole hillside, and and it was eating up the grass, and the cows were being pushed and pushed back because of that, unable to contain that seed that would just multiplied and kind of like a curse curse in the ground uh, my son asked me one time dad why did god make mosquitoes and he would always stump me i was thinking well i don't know <laughs> and uh probably be it's part of the curse mosquitoes probably flies are in that you know we we but we found out if you talk to the flies, they'll go to the light. They'll go to the light of the screen and they'll, and it's kind of funny around here. I say, did you talk to the fly? Go to the light. They usually obey and keep them from killing them and let them out. I love you. God bless you. Give them heaven. Remember, this is God's earth. Let's continue to bless it. And blessed, blessings will come back to us when we bless others. I bless you in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. I bless you in Jesus' name. Amen. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time we have to um, receive your word, Lord, and to feed on your word, Lord. We thank you for the revelation from heaven, Lord. Open up the windows of heaven over us, Lord, that we would receive fresh manna from heaven, Father. We thank you for Jesus, who's the way, the truth, and the life. And we thank you for this home, and we thank you for blessing um, our eyes and our ears and our hearts to receive what the Holy Spirit wants us to know, Lord. Thank you, Lord, Father God, Jesus. Amen. Okay, we're at 1 Samuel chapter 17, verse 1. Please. Amen. Okay. The Philistines now mustered their army for battle and camped between Sokah and Judah and Azekah at Ephes Damnon. Saul countered by gathering his Israelite troops near the valley of Elah. So the Philistines and the Israelites faced each other on opposite hills with the valley between them. Then Goliath, a Philistine champion from Gath, came out of the Philistine ranks to face the forces of Israel. He was over nine feet tall. 
He wore a bronze helmet and his bronze coat of mail weighed 125 pounds. He also wore bronze leg armor and he carried a bronze javelin on his shoulder. The shaft of his spear was as heavy and thick as a weaver's beam, tipped with an iron spearhead that weighed 15 pounds. His armor bearer walked ahead of him carrying a shield. The lion stood and shouted a taunt across to the Israelites. Why are you all coming out to fight? He called. I'm the Philistine champion, but you are only the servants of Saul. Choose one man to come down here and fight me. If he kills me, then we will be your slaves. But if I kill him, you will be our slaves. I defy the armies of Israel today. Send me a man who will fight me. When Saul and the Israelites heard this, they were terrified and deeply shaken. Now David was the son of a man named Jesse, an Ephraimite from Bethlehem in the land of Judah. Jesse was an old man at that time, and he had eight sons. Jesse's three oldest sons, Eliab, Abid, Abinadab, and Shemiah, had already joined Saul's army to fight the Philistines. David was the youngest son. David's three oldest brothers stayed with Saul's army, but David went back and forth so he could help his father with the sheep in Bethlehem. For 40 days, every morning and evening, the Philistine champion strutted in front of the army, of the, uh, of the, in front of the Israelite army. One day, Jesse said to David, Take this basket of roasted grain and these ten loaves of bread and carry them quickly to your brothers. And give these ten cuts of cheese to their captain. See how your brothers are getting along and bring back a report on how they're doing. David's brothers were Saul, were with Saul and the Israelite army at the valley of Elah, fighting against the Philistines. So David left the sheep with another shepherd and set out early the next morning with the gifts as Jesse had directed him. He arrived at the camp just as the Israelite army was leaving for the battlefield with shouts and battle cries. Soon the Israelite and the Philistine forces stood facing each other army against army and David left his things with the keeper of supplies and hurried out to the ranks to greet his brothers. As he was talking with them, Goliath, the Philistine champion from Gath, came out from the Philistine ranks. Then David heard him shout at his usual taunt to the army of Israel. As soon as the Israelite army saw him, they began to run away in fright. Wow, okay. Um, have you ever seen, have you seen the giant men asked? He comes out each day to defy Israel. The king has offered a huge reward to anyone who kills him. He will give that man one of, one of his daughters for a wife, and the man's entire family will be exempted from paying taxes. David asked the soldiers standing nearby, what will a man get for killing this Philistine and ending his defiance of Israel? Who is this pagan Philistine anyway that he's allowed to defy the armies of the living God? And these men gave David the same reply. They said, yes, that's a re that is the reward for killing him. But when David's oldest brother, Eliab, heard David talking to the men, he was angry. What are you doing around here anyway, he demanded. What about those few sheep you're so supposed to be taking care of? 
I know about your pride and deceit. You just want to see the battle. What have I done now, David replied. I was only asking a question. He walked over to some others and asked them the same thing and received the same answer. Then David's question was reported to King Saul, and the king sent for him. Don't worry about this Philistine, David told Saul. I'll go fight him. Don't be ridiculous, Saul replied. There's no way you can fight this Philistine and possibly win. You're only a boy, and he's been a man since his youth. A man of war since his youth. But David persisted. I have been taking care of my father's sheep and goats, he said. When a lion or a bear comes to steal a lamb from the flock, I go after it with the club and rescue the lamb from its mouth. If the animal turns on me, I catch it by the jaw and club it to death. I have done this to both lions and bears, and I'll do the do it to this pagan Philistine too, for he has defied the armies of the living God. The Lord who rescued me from the claws of the lion and the bear will rescue me from this Philistine. Saul finally consented, all right, go ahead, and he said, may the Lord and may the Lord be with you. Then Saul gave David his own armor, a bronze helmet and a coat of mail. David put it on, strapped the sword over it, and took a step or two to see what it was like, for he had never worn such things before. I can't go in these, he protested to Saul. I'm not used to them. So David took them off again. He picked up five smooth stones from a stream and put them into a shepherd, shepherd's bag. The arm, then armed only with his shepherd's staff, and sling, he started across the valley to fight the Philistine. Goliath walked out toward David with his shield bearer ahead of him, sneering in contempt at this ruddy-faced boy. Am I a dog, he roared at David, that you come to me with a stick? And he cursed David by the names of his gods. Come over here and I'll give your flesh to the birds and wild animals, Goliath yelled. David replied to the Philistine, You come you come to me with sword, spear, so visible, javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of heaven's armies, God, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. Today the Lord will conquer you, and I will kill you and cut off your head, and I will give the dead bodies of your men to the birds and wild animals. And the whole world will know that there's a God in Israel. And everyone assembled here will know that the Lord rescues his people, but not with sword and spear. This is the Lord's battle, and he will give it to us. Amen. As Goliath moved closer to attack David, as Goliath moved closer to attack, David quickly ran out to meet him, reaching into his shepherd's bag and taking out a stone. He hurled it with his sling and hit the Philistine in the forehead. The stone sank in and Goliath stumbled and fell face down on the ground. So David triumphed over the Philistine with only a sling and a stone, for he had no sword. Then David ran over and pulled Goliath's sword from its sheath. David used it to kill him and cut off his head. 
When the Philistines saw that their champion was dead, they turned and ran. Then the men of Israel and Judah gave a great shout of triumph and rushed after the Philistines, chasing them as far as Gath. And the gates of Ekron, the bodies of the dead and wounded Philistines, were strewn all along the road from Sha'arim as far as Gath and Ekron. Then the Israelite army returned and plundered the deserted Philistine camp. David took the Philistine's head to Jerusalem, but he stored the man's armor in his own tent. He took the head to Jerusalem. Okay, as Saul watched David go out to fight the Philistine, he asked Abner, the commander of his army, Abner, whose son is this young man? As Saul watched David go to fight the Philistine, he asked Abner, the commander of his army, Abner, whose son is this young man? I really don't know, Abner declared. Well, find out who he is, the king told him. As soon as David returned from killing Goliath, Abner brought him to Saul with the Philistine's head still in his hand. <laughs> Tell me about your father, young man, Saul said. And David replied, his name is Jesse, and we live in Bethlehem. After David had finished talking with Saul, he met Jonathan, the king's son. There was an immediate bond between them, for Jonathan loved David. From that day on, Saul kept David with him and wouldn't let him return home. And Jonathan made a solemn pact with David because he loved him as he loved himself. Jonathan sealed the pact by taking off his robe and giving it to David together with his tunic, sword, bow, and belt. Amen. Amen. There's this amazing story of... Uh, I like the way he prophesied to be fair. Today the Lord will conquer you and I will kill you and mm -hmm. cut off your head. Mm -hmm. And then Amen. I will give your, the dead bodies of your men to the birds and the wild animals and the whole world will know there's a God in Israel. You know, it's kind of like, I want the whole world to know there's a God in Glendora backing us up, you know, Amen. defeating our enemies, Amen. defeating death, poverty, lack, Amen. Sickness, disease. Amen. You know, defeat the grave, sadness, ignorance, and, and live a smooth and victorious life. Because the Lord Jesus has provided for us. Amen. We're, we're in the, uh, we are taking the, what do you call it, the buoy? Mm-hmm from the Philistine, from the world, we're picking up, Amen. we're picking up the, uh, the left, <clears throat> all the treasures they had taken from God's people for so long, plunder, we're plundering them. Amen. What'd you get? Well, it's interesting that I had remembered a teaching a while back that talked about how David, he was interested in the reward he was going to get for serving, mm -hmm. for doing this, and he, had, he went back and he was asking what am I going to get? And he asked again, what am I going to get? And mm -hmm. then he went back and re it says here that, um, what have I done? Okay, he walked over to some others and asked them the same thing and received the same answer. Mm -hmm. uh, so he was really concerned about his reward and what he was going to do for serving. So there is reward when we do serve, you know, the Lord. You know, in this capacity, he goes and takes the giant out, but... Um, 
That's great. And he wasn't ahead no fear. He just like, I'll go fight him. Amen. Lord will yeah. him. Uh-huh. Was he anointed king already? Mm, you yeah. know, that's what... Yes, I think so. I think so. In the previous chapter we read yesterday, he was. Yeah, he's anointed king. Well, did he play the harp for Saul already? Yeah, he did. But Saul says he didn't know who he was. I'm right. That's what That's what I was. I picked up also. He's like, but who is he? But he had already... Well, unless, unless sometimes, you know, maybe it's not chronologically. Yeah, maybe not. Cause, you know, maybe Saul still had his... Uh, yeah, and uh, I again fresh from today's together. Uh, fresh from today's teaching about you know he went over there, you know David replied to the, in number forty five David replied to the Philistine you come to me with a visible sword a visible spear and a visible javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of heaven's armies who's invisible, the God of armies of Israel whom you have defied. Today the Lord will conquer you, and I will kill you and cut off your head. So it's, it's so David found a way to get ahead in life. Mm-hmm. Huh? Yeah, <laughs> taxes mm-hmm. for his parents, or his family. Mm-hmm. Yeah, not doing it for himself. And, right. For and at the end there of that uh, forty-seven says, and everyone assembled here will know that the Lord rescues His people, but not with the sword and the spear. And, and again, what we learned today, this is the Lord's battle, and he will give it to give you to us. Amen. This Amen. is the Lord's Beautiful. battle. Beautiful. Okay. What else are we going to see? Okay. All right. You, you can read John chapter 8, verse 21. Okay, John chapter 8, verse 21 and 20. Later, Jesus said to me, to them again, I am going away. You will search for me, but you will die in your sins. You cannot come where I'm going. The people ask, is he planning to commit suicide? What does he mean? You cannot come where I'm going. Jesus continued, you are from below. I am from above. You belong to this world. I do not. That is why I said that you will die in your sins. For unless you believe that I am, who I claim to be, you will die in your sins. Whoa. Okay. Unless you believe that I am. Mm-hmm. Who are you, they demanded. Jesus replied, the one I have been, I have always claimed to be. I have much to say about you and much to condemn, but it won't. For I only say what I have heard from the one who sent me, and he is completely truthful. But they still didn't understand that he was talking about his father. So Jesus said, when you have lifted up the Son of Man on the cross, then you will understand that I am He. I do not nothing on my own, but say only what the Father taught me. And the one who sent me is with me. He has not deserted me, for I always do what pleases Him. Then many who heard Him say these things believed in Him. Amen. Amen. It's interesting, you know, these the first phrase where he says, I'm going away, you will search for me, but you will die in your sins. In other words, you'll keep searching the law, mm-hmm. looking for me, right. and your sins are the ones going to keep you in hell. And you cannot go to heaven where I'm going. Mm-hmm. Right. And, that's, Ooh, yeah. and then he gives them another chance. He says, unless you believe that I am, mm-hmm. and that I am Jehovah, I am, I am he, I am the 
the Savior of the world. You right. believe that I am, Amen. you will die in your sins again. Right. It's a choice. That's very good. He also didn't want to spend his time sitting there trying to prove himself. Mm-hmm. He says, the one I have always claimed, Jesus replied, the one I've always claimed to be, I have much to say about you and much to condemn, but I won't. Yeah, you know, about their law keeping. And mm-hmm. their, but it's interesting over here, it says, uh, when you have lifted up the mm-hmm. Son of Man on the cross, then you will understand that I am he, mm-hmm. you know, well, the born again ones will understand. He is He. Um, I do not nothing on my own, but say only what the Father taught me, and the One who sent me is with me. He has not deserted me, for I always do what pleases Him. Mm-hmm. Then many who heard him say these things believed in Him. Mm, amen. Amen. Okay, uh, Psalms one eleven one through ten. Just pray with uh, another believer today and ponder the amazing deeds of the Lord. Lord, we thank you, Lord. And we thank you, Father, that we believe that you are the great I am. And we believe in your love and we believe in your promises. And we believe in your word. And Lord, we just thank you, Father, for the that we are world overcomers, Lord God. We are in your kingdom, Lord. And we thank you, Father God, that you, we can say we are rich, we are strong because of your word, Lord, that made us, because of your conquering, you conquered Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, for conquering the devil and giving us benefits. Amen. Okay, Psalm 111, 1 through 10. Praise the Lord. I will thank the Lord with all my heart as I meet with his godly people. How amazing are the deeds of the Lord. All who delight in him should ponder them. Everything he does reveals his glory and majesty. His righteousness never fails. He causes us to remember his wonderful works. How gracious and merciful is our Lord. He gives food to those who fear him. He always remembers his covenant. He has shown his great power to his people by giving them the lands of other nations. All he does is just and good. And all his commandments are trustworthy. They are all forever true to be obeyed faithfully and with integrity. He has paid a full ransom for his people. He has guaranteed his covenant with them forever. What a holy, all-inspiring name he has. Fear of the Lord is the foundation of true wisdom. All who obey his commandments will grow in wisdom. Praise him forever. Proverbs 15, 11, even death and destruction hold no secrets from the Lord. How much more does he know of the human heart? Amen. Amen. Heavenly Father, we thank you for today's reading, the 15th of the month, Proverbs 15, verse 1. A gentle answer deflects anger, but harsh words make tempers flare. The tongue of the wise makes knowledge appealing, but the mouth of the fool belches out foolishness. 
The Lord is watching everywhere, keeping his eye on both the evil and the good. Gentle words are a tree of life. A deceitful tongue crushes the spirit. Only a fool despises a parent's discipline. Whoever learns from correction is wise. There is treasure in the house of the godly, but the earnings of the wicked bring trouble. The lips of the wise give good advice. The heart of a fool has none to give. The Lord detests the sacrifice of the wicked, but he delights in the prayer of the upright. The Lord detests the way of the wicked, but he loves those who pursue godliness. Whoever abandons the right path will be severely disciplined. Whoever hates correction will die. Even death and destruction hold no secrets from the Lord. How much more does he know of the human heart? Mockers hate to be corrected, so they stay away from the wise. A glad heart makes a happy face. A broken heart crushes the spirit. A wise person is hungry for knowledge, while the fool feeds on trash. For the despondent every day brings trouble, for the happy heart like a continual feast. Better to have little with fear for the Lord than to have great treasure and inner turmoil. A bowl of vegetables with someone you love is better than a steak when someone you hate. A hot-tempered person starts fight, a cool-tempered person stops them. A lazy person's way is blocked with briars, but the path of the upright is an open highway. Sensible children bring joy to their father. Foolish children despise their mother. Foolishness brings joy to those with no sense. A sensible person stays on the right path. Plans go wrong for lack of advice. Many advisors bring success. Everyone enjoys a fitting reply. It is wonderful to say the right thing at the right time. The path of life leads upward for the wise. They leave the grave behind. The Lord tears down the house of the proud, but he protects the property of widows. The Lord detests evil plans, but he delights in pure words. Greed brings grief to the whole family, but those who hate bribes will live. The heart of the godly think, thinks carefully before speaking. The mouth of the wicked overflow with evil words. The Lord is far from the wicked, but, the, but he hears the prayer of the righteous. A cheerful look brings joy to the heart. Good news makes for good health. If you listen to constructive criticism, you will be at home among the wise. If you reject discipline, you only harm yourself. But if you listen to correction, you grow in understanding. Fear of the Lord teaches wisdom. Humility precedes honor. Now we go to Psalm, Psalm 16. Psalm 16, keep me safe, O God, for I have come to you for refuge. I said to the Lord, you are my master. Every good thing I have comes from you. The godly people in the land are my true heroes. I take pleasure in them. Trouble multiplies for those who chase after other gods. 
I will not take part in their sacrifices of blood or even speak the names of their gods. Lord, you alone are my inheritance, my cup of blessing. You guard all that is mine. The land you have given me is a pleasant land. What a wonderful inheritance. I will bless the Lord who guides me. Even at night, my heart instructs me. I know the Lord is always with me. I will not be shaken, for he is right beside me. I wonder, no wonder my heart is glad and I rejoice. My body rests in safety, for you will not leave my soul in the dead or allow your Holy One to rot in the grave. You will show me the way of life, granting me the joys of your presence and the pleasure of living with you forever. Psalm 46. God is our refuge and strength, always ready to help in times of trouble. So we will not fear when earthquake comes and the mountains crumble into the sea. Let the oceans roar and foam, let the mountains tremble as the waters surge. A river brings joy to the city of our God, the sacred home of the Most High. God dwells in that city. It cannot be destroyed. From the very break of day, God will protect it. The nations are in chaos and their kingdoms crumble. God's voice thunders and the earth melts. The Lord of heaven's army is here among us. The God of Israel is our fortress. Come see the glorious works of the Lord. See how he brings destruction upon the world. He causes wars to end throughout the earth. He breaks the bow and snaps the spear. He burns the shield with fire. Be still and know that I am God. I will be honored by every nation. I will be honored throughout the world. The Lord of heaven's army is here among us. The God of Israel is our fortress. 46, we go to 76. God is honored in Judah. His name is great in Israel. Jerusalem is where he lives. Mount Zion is his home. There he has broken the fiery arrows of the enemy, the shields and swords and weapons of war. You are glorious and more majestic than the everlasting mountains. Our boldest enemy has been plundered. They lie before us in the sleep of death. No warrior could lift a hand against us. At the blast of thy breath, O God of Jacob, their horses and chariots lay still. No wonder you are greatly feared. Who can stand before you when your anger explodes? From heaven you sentence your enemies. The earth trembles and stood silent before you. You stand up to judge those who do evil, O God, and to rescue the oppressed of the earth. Human defiance only enhances your glory. For you see it as a weapon. Make vaults to the Lord your God and keep them. Let everyone bring tribute to the awesome one. For he breaks those the riot of princes and the kings of the earth fear him. Amen. Now let me go to Psalm 106. Praise the Lord. Give thanks to the Lord for he is good. His faithful love endures forever. Who can list the glorious miracles of the Lord? Who can ever praise Him enough? There is joy for those who deal justly with others and always do what is right. Remember me, Lord, when you show favor to your people. 
Come near me and rescue me. Let me share in the prosperity of your chosen ones. Let me rejoice in the joy of your people. Let me be, praise you with those who are, you, who are your heritage. Like our ancestors, we have sinned, we have done wrong, we have acted wickedly. Our ancestors in Egypt were not impressed by the Lord's miraculous deeds. They soon forgot his many acts of kindness to them. Instead, they rebelled against him at the Red Sea. Even so, he saved them to defend the honor of his name and to demonstrate his mighty power. He commanded the Red Sea to dry up. He led Israel across the sea as if it were a desert. So he rescued them from their enemies and redeemed them from their foes. Then the waters returned and covered their enemies. Not one of them survived. Then his people believed his promise, and then they sang his praise. Yet, praises, yet how quickly they forgot what he had done, they wouldn't wait for his counsel. In the wilderness, their desires ran wild, testing God's patience in that dry wasteland. So he gave them to what they asked for, but he sent a plague along with him. The people in the camp were jealous of Moses and envious of Aaron, the Lord, holy priest. Because of this, the earth opened up, it swallowed Nathan, and buried Abiram and the other rebels. Fire fell upon their followers, a flame consumed the wicked. The people made a calf at Mount Sinai. They bowed before an image made of gold. They traded their glorious God for a statue of grass-eating bull. They forgot God, their Savior who had done such great things in Egypt, such wonderful things in the land of Ham, such awesome deeds at the Red Sea. So he declared he would destroy them, but Moses, his chosen one, stepped between the Lord and his people, and he begged him to turn from his anger and not destroy them. The people refused to enter the promised land before they wouldn't believe his promises to take care of them. Instead, they grumbled in their tents and refused to obey the Lord. Therefore, he solemnly swore that he would kill them in the wilderness, that he would scatter their descendants among the nations, exile them to distant lands. Then our ancestors joined in the worship of Baal and Peror. They even ate sacrifices offered to the dead. They angered the Lord with all their all these things, so a plague broke out among them. But Phinehas had the courage to intervene, and the plague was stopped. So he had been re regarded as a righteous man ever since that time. At Meribah, too, they angered the Lord, causing Moses serious trouble. They made Moses angry, and he spoke foolishly. Israel failed to destroy the nations of the land, as the Lord has commanded them. Instead, they mingle among the pagans and adopted their evil customs. They worshiped their idols, which led to their downfall. They even sacrificed their sons and their daughters to the demons. They shed innocent blood, the blood of their sons and daughters. By sacrificing to idols of Canaan, they polluted the land with murder. They defiled themselves by their evil deeds, and their love of idols was, was adultery in the Lord's sight. 
That is why the Lord's anger burned against his people, and he abhorred his own special possessions. He landed them over to pagans, handed them over to pagan nations, so they were ruled by those who hated them. Their enemies crushed them and brought them under their cruel power. Again and again he rescued them, but they chose to rebel against him. And they were finally destroyed by their sins. Even so, he pitied them in their distress and listened to their cries. He remembered his covenant with them and relented because of his unfailing love. He even caused the captors to treat them with kindness. Save us, O Lord our God. Gather us back from among the nations so we can thank your holy name and rejoice and praise you. Praise the Lord, the God of Israel, who lives in the everlasting, to everlasting. Let all the people say, Amen. Praise the Lord. Amen. Now we go to Psalm 134, I believe. Okay. Praise the 15th, Oh, have I been reading the wrong one? Okay, Hundred thirty six. Give thanks to the Lord for he is good, his faithful love endures forever. Give thanks to the God of gods, his faithful love endures forever. Give thanks to the Lord of Lords, his faithful love endures forever. Give thanks to him who alone does mighty miracles, his faithful love endures forever. Give thanks to him who made the heavens so skillfully, his faithful love endures forever. Give thanks to him who placed the earth among the waters. His faithful love endures forever. Give thanks to him who made the heavenly lights. His faithful love endures forever. The sun to rule the day. His faithful love endures forever. And the moon and the stars to rule the night. His faithful love endures forever. Give thanks to him who killed the firstborn of Egypt. His faithful love endures forever. He brought Israel out of Egypt. His faithful love endures forever. He acted with a strong hand and powerful arm. His faithful love endures forever. Give thanks to him who parted the Red Sea. His faithful love endures forever. He led Israel safely through. His faithful love endures forever. But he hurled Pharaoh and his army into this Red Sea. His faithful love endures forever. Give thanks to him who led his people through the wilderness. His faithful love endures forever. Give thanks to him who struck down mighty kings. His love endures forever. He killed powerful kings. His love and faithful love endures forever. Sihon, king of the Amorites, his faithful love endures forever. And Og, king of Bashan, his faithful love endures forever. God gave the land of these kings as an inheritance. His faithful love endures forever. A special possession to his servant Israel. His faithful love endures forever. He remembers us in our weakness. His faithful love endures forever. He saves us from our enemies. His faithful love endures forever. He gives food to every living thing. His faithful love endures forever. Give thanks to the God of heavens. His faithful love endures forever. Amen. Good morning, everyone. Let's go ahead and open this meeting with a moment of silence, followed by the Lord's Prayer. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. 
Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us of our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Welcome to today's podcast. I'm reading a couple of uh, meditation books, one from Daily Word and the other one. These were sent to me by my friends. So here we go. The first one says, I rest in the deep peace of God. My body gives me the power to exercise or perform physical work, and I reward it with rest from labor. My mind uses its creative energy to solve problems and formulate solutions. I nurture my busy mind with time in the silence and meditate stillness. As I rest my body and mind, I find deep rejuvenating peace in God, so much more than mere indulgence. Restful interludes are necessary for my body and mind to function optimally. I do those things that help me to let go and release the busyness of my day. I find my deepest rest in God where I am close to spirit and mind and heart. I release what is and what will be in faith that the divine presence within is the source of my good. Come to me, all you that are weary and are carrying heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Again, I find my deepest rest in God, where I am closest to spirit in my mind and heart. I release what is and what will be in faith, that the divine presence within is the source of my good. Amen. The next reading is says you need me every morning every moment your awareness of your constant need for me is your greatest strength your neediness properly handled is a link to my presence however there are pitfalls that you must be on guard against self-pity self-propitiation giving up your inadequate presence you with continual choice, deep dependence on me or despair. The emptiness you feel within will be filled with either with problems or with my presence. Make me central in your consciousness by praying continually. Simply short prayers flying out the present moment. Use my name liberally to remind you of my presence. Keep on asking and you will receive so that your gladness may be full and complete. Make me central in your consciousness by praying continually. Simply short prayers following out of the pre present moment. Use my name liberally to remind you of my presence. Keep on asking and you will receive so that your gladness may be full and complete. Amen. This is from Jesus Calling. Wonderful, wonderful readings of God. Thank you for coming on here.
All right, well, I'd like to welcome everyone uh, to this uh, early morning session, and thank you for getting up uh, early and coming uh, and enjoying breakfast. They might just be rolling in from the club. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but it's not Tel Aviv. Uh, so we, want, uh, we have a wonderful uh, session here uh, with Dan Bertner, who's uh, written on uh, Blue Zone and uh, has thought a lot about uh, different ways that uh, are required to make us healthy. Uh, we're going to do the session and divide it roughly in half, which is uh, 30 minutes. Uh, the first 30 minutes, uh, Dan and I will be uh, in conversation talking about uh, his findings, his research, and his ideas. And the uh, last 30 minutes or so, and that's pretty rough, uh, we will open it up for your questions and uh, hope to engage you fully uh, in the conversation. There will be plenty of time for people to get uh, in their questions, I assure you. Um, and uh, I also want to remind people that uh, uh, Dan is going to do a book signing uh, in the corner there uh, right after our uh, session uh, for his uh, books. And uh, I think you'll be uh, uh, quite eager to read the book when we finish. So uh, I want to start with the uh, basics. Uh, you titled the book Blue Zones. Uh, what the hell is a blue zone? And why are they blue? It's, uh, yeah. I keep getting this question. I, I, I tell my brothers I'm talking about blue zones. What's blue? Not the hair. <laughs> <laughs> so this is a, it was a project of National Geographic began about 12 years ago. And uh, it began with the widely accept, accept, acknowledged um, uh, assumption that only about 20% of how long you live is dictated by your genes. The other 80% is lifestyle and environment. So knowing that, uh, the idea was if we could just find the parts of the world where we know people are living the longest, that we could perhaps reverse engineer longevity. And I was working with a, a team of demographers in Sardinia, Highlands of Sardinia, the first blue zone. And um, they were using 